0: Welcome to Everyday Nonviolence Extraordinary People Speaking Truth to Power. This podcast is developed by Friends for a Nonviolent World, FNVW whose mission is to champion nonviolence as the foundation for effective programs and actions to promote the dignity of every living being. Violence impacts us all. Our goal here is to give voice to people who are working to use active nonviolence, those who have experienced violence, and those who have committed acts of violence. Each week, we'll hear stories that will deepen our understanding of violence and the principles of nonviolence. Our host today is Joanne Perry, a longtime activist and lifelong pacifist.
1: Welcome to the Friends for Nonviolent World podcast Everyday Nonviolence. Extraordinary people speaking truth to power. We have as a real privilege my father Joseph Perry Joseph has been not just a parent to me, but Joseph has also been an active member in AA for over 50 years. Currently, he works with the Union Gospel Mission, helping alcoholics with their sobriety, as well as the retreat center in Moisetta. One of the reasons we're having him here today is because of his service in two different wars. A young man at the age of 17 signed up to go to World War II. It was at the end of the wind down. He was stationed in Italy for a while, got out of there in about 46 but he was called into the reserves in '48 and spent time in South Dakota training to be an electrical engineer, of all things. He also was going to be a doctor, but ended up being a lawyer for most of his working life. Joseph then went to Korea. It is truly an honor and a pleasure. But before I go there, I need to talk a little bit about some of his AA accolades. I hope you don't mind too much.
2: No, I don't. (laughs)
1: Dad first started uh, in the first interracial AA in Minnesota. That was back in the 60s, as a recall. I know he sobered up in 1963. He continues to be sober to this day. Back in 2002, he received the Lifetime Achievement Award by a group called HART, H-E-R-T, helping Oh boy, what is it? Helping Enable (laughs) alcoholic addicts to receive treatment. Beautiful. They had to rent out the Minneapolis Convention Center to hold everybody there. Additionally, there has been many other things he has done. He started the Methadone Treatment Center here. He's been a, a lawyer for civil rights. He has been um, the man of the hour on more than one occasion, a thinker and, and a good man. Welcome, Dan.
2: Thank you very much, It's a pleasure to be here. I, I just want to tell you there's one more thing I've done, and that is I have 36 years with the Union Gospel Mission. It's called the Christ Recovery Center. And I sponsored everybody that started it, just by chance. They came out of our unity group, and I'm, I'm very lucky. And AA works for me. Works for me in an incredible way.
1: You were telling a story not too long ago about the Republican National Convention.
2: Yeah, I remember.
1: You mentioned that people were ridiculing John Kerry, who was a Democrat's choice for president at that time. Now it kind of dates us back to the early 2000s, as I recall. Um, They were ridiculing his war record, his Purple Heart. Can you describe that situation and share your observation?
2: I didn't pay much attention to that. I happened to see it on a TV screen. I saw these people from Hennepin County and Anoka County with Band-Aids all over their faces, like 50 Band-Aids. And I was wondering what the hell could that be about? But the next day, they were ridiculing his record. They were acting as if anyone could get into that war and get a Purple Heart. And it really wasn't meaningful. And I got to thinking about that as I talked about it. And what was kind of interesting about this is I didn't know I had it in me when I started the conversation. I had never really thought about that commitment I made to go to Korea. I was drinking really heavy, but I had this huge capacity. But I had completely put it out of my mind until this conversation came the next morning. And I began to cry because I was remembering the commitment. I don't know Kerry from nobody, but boy, I don't ever, ever, ever believe that Kerry didn't go through hell. The word fake news. There is fake news in my life. There's a lot of fake things out there that everybody has to go through. It's in the. It's in St. Francis' prayer. You appear to win a war, but it's only an appearance. It's fake news. You don't win wars.
1: You would, were okay with this war in Korea. I was. Yeah. Because the UN had sanctioned it. It seemed right, yeah. and it seemed just to you.
2: And we had a lot of countries with us.
1: And what what were you hoping to have happen there? Do you remember? Well,
2: it, it was called a police action. We were going to police these people and bring them back. So that was a big word there. It wasn't just something that was political, but it was big. And and we were at war in a police action. And anybody who, and most of the boat didn't, wasn't for it, I, I don't know why. But I know my friend and I worked for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's the guy that brought me into AA eventually. So he's a big man in my life. But we were for the war and uh, make no mistake about it. And we thought we should be policing the UN line here. It was just a crazy, crazy war. I, I challenge anybody to tell me what we were fighting for, except UN, police keeping thing, that made sense.
1: In the middle of all this chaos, yeah. and it's obviously chaotic. Yeah. You're a man with education. You're three, four years older than everybody else in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're in a slightly different perspective, right? What and where, how <laughs> did you come to the conclusion that this war was just absolutely silly and all wars were too, that they well, per- served had, no purpose? I
2: had two feelings. The 7th Division was surrounded, so I volunteered in the repo depot. A captain called me over and he said, Hey dumb shit. What do you, you know what you're doing? And he just chewed me out. He's like a father to me. And you know he told me I was nuts. To do what? Volunteer. As a combat medic. We would deal with people that had to get back into combat. We'd do with suicides. And even that didn't it still is strong. You know, you just don't want to see guys getting killed because you didn't do your job. It's really a strong energy. But one day, when I was past six months, I went through a board where everybody was wrapped up in bandages and they'd all been burnt bad. And there were just a whole hundreds of them. And I walked through there and I never volunteered again. I'm not proud of that either. You know, it's just one of those things that I, this, is, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for me to die in, in Korea or to lose something in Korea. For what? For what were we doing? I, I had some rebellion here. I would refuse certain orders. I wouldn't do things because it didn't make sense. It was not easy.
1: Somebody has recently told me that pacifism comes out of the term of stopping in war, saying no, yeah. no. And yeah. you, you had that moment in the burn unit. Yeah. Can I ask a question, though? Sure. Because I'm, I'm really caught in this idea. Because mm-hmm. when you said no, and I would love to know in a little bit what happened after that, mm-hmm. but back to the Army understanding that people will say no. Was this a common phenomenon?
2: Well, almost everybody that comes back to you uh, doesn't want to go back. One doctor and I, we'd give him some vitamins or something, we give him a shot and say, this will take care of you. And we'd give him the talk. And most of them went back. I don't know what would happen if we would have just had a company just stop yeah. and not do anything. That never happened. So I, I don't know. I, I saw the suicides, you see. The, the suicides are just amazing. And the one I remember is the last one. I was a medic, and I had to give him all the pills, okay? And I was the last guy to talk to it. I was getting the orders. This one guy got really nervous about it, and he was checking himself all the time until he made an infection. So he never got cured. He always had some something. And we gave him enough penicillin and streptomycin and whatever we had to float a battleship, you know? And I showed it to him. He left. He slipped away and killed himself.
1: Uh, you mentioned just, earlier, no one gets out of this free. How has this impacted the rest of your life? Well, you know, I
2: got different tools. Uh, I'm very mindful of what I think about. I, I fell into something called New Thought Christianity and a Course in Miracles, and it's it. I look at fake news now to see whether it's it's something I really want. But you got to look at what you're thinking about. Now, in my readings and in the wars and it going and marching against Vietnam, you know, what were we doing and what are we thinking about? Now, I have a whole series of, of things that I play with. And that is, what am I thinking about? Like, Lesson 26 in The Course in Miracles says, my attack thoughts are attacking my own invulnerability. In other words, when I attack you, And I counterattack you, and I am attacking all the time. I'm saying i got to do that to be safe. I don't have to do anything to be safe. But this is just my conditioning. And when I find myself swearing or I find myself doing certain things, I, I, I change it. Mindfulness leading to more loving things. Am I teaching only love? Or am I teaching anger and gossip and perpetuating that? And it's personal. I mean, it's really personal. And I do it and, and AA is a really an interesting organization for learning something because they use a shared technique. Nobody preaches in AA. They stop the preaching and you just, you share where you're at. So if you go to church, for instance, and you feel nothing, you don't go to church and say, I felt like a million bucks. I found God in the corner there. You say, I didn't feel anything. I never feel anything in church, you know? What? And you and you 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 get to where you can be more truthful. You realize that your separation from everything was your creation. You weren't born separated. The Buddhists can look at this table and see it's a tree and it's rosin and it's metal. It's still in this world. When we come into this world, we act like we're not even in this world we come from some strange place out here and here we are. And you get to realizing that you're together with everyone. You're not separated. And that, and as you work with this and you, and you stop the counter attacking, and you stop fighting with everything, it begins to soften you. There's a lesson in the Course in Miracles. What is the meaning of the crucifixion? And the answer is, to teach only love, because that's all you are. That's an. Ad- so you start teaching love instead of gossip, instead of hate. How do you walk? How do you walk tall? What do you do?
1: This is a story of a lifetime. It didn't happen uh, six yeah. months out of Korea.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's right.
1: I remembered a story about a young man um, who had been uh, taken up by the legal system because he had used a flag. He'd use the flag as a patching on his jeans. And mm-hmm. in those days, now we're talking late 60s, early 70s, that was a horrible thing to do. And he was taken up on charges. You were a lawyer at the time. Mm-hmm. I know you kind of remember the story, but um, you were a dedicated lawyer in my perspective from the pursuit of civil rights and for equality. And I am always struck by when you talk about the ethics of what being a lawyer means. Yeah. Because those are things that are really essential to active nonviolence, to this pursuit of an equitable, fair, non militaristic world. Can you tell a little bit of your story about why you got into so many civil rights cases?
2: Yeah. I remember a case that you don't know about where a kid is walking down a street and he, he gets beat up by a kid, and he's black, he gets beat up. And he's the kid that did the beating up with, had a real bad alcoholic father and and, and he made a show of it. then he accused the kid of being involved. Uh, somehow or other, the kid had egged it on. So we tried that case in front of a judge. It's important that I win that case. The fee was $25. It's important that that kid know that I'm standing there Pulling out every stop, and give him the right, and that's always been important to
1: me. This has been an honor, and yes. it's been a pleasure. <laughs> thank you, and uh, I do appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to Everyday Nonviolence. Extraordinary People Speaking Truth to Power. To learn more about Friends for a Nonviolent World and the work that we do, please visit our website fnvw.org or give us a call at 651-917-0383.